What does it cost to follow Jesus? To be like Jesus? First of all, in the scripture we just read, we see Jesus himself was rejected in Samaria. Luke points out that these Samaritans reject him, which for some of us, we assume that when the woman at the well shared with the other Samaritans that Jesus had told her everything she'd ever done, and they received him gladly, that the Samaritans just accepted Jesus, but we dare not paint with such a broad brush. Because the Samaritans believed that God should be worshipped in their holy place, which was Mount Gerizim, and Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, which was the holy place in Judea. So they knew that Jesus had rejected them, or at least they felt that he had, and they returned the favor by rejecting him. But this rejection was merely preparation for what was to follow for Jesus. As Jesus journeys to Jerusalem, he continues to face opposition and rejection that increases in intensity and hostility until he reaches his destination, Jerusalem until finally, in Jerusalem, the chief priest counsels his cohorts, saying, don't you understand anything? It's better for us that one man should die if it protects what we believe and how we've always done things. This brings to mind the opening verses of John's gospel. He came unto his own and his own did not receive him. As Jesus and the disciples traveled by foot along those dusty roads, they stopped periodically to rest, and in villages they would pause at a well to get a drink of water. And villagers, villagers gathered around, and Jesus used these rest periods as a, as a means of sharing with the disciples underscoring those things they would need to remember after he left them. And as he taught, these villagers who gathered would sometimes assert their willingness to follow him. And so it is that someone said, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied as he did, as we've read. Apparently, this had happened several times, prompting Jesus to sharpen the focus of what it means to be his followers. Three times in the verses we read, and again in chapter 14, verses 25 to 33, Jesus is approached by someone saying, I want to be one of your followers. We have to wonder how many times that must have happened or how many times 
someone asserted, I will follow, but they never showed up. Or they began to follow and found it too difficult and left. We don't know. But Jesus was emphasizing that to follow him is costly. What could he have meant? After all, didn't he also say, my burden, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I thought being a Christian was supposed to remove life's burdens, not add to them. We read, we read this morning that his would-be followers said, in effect, I'll follow you, but I have some things to do first. And Jesus said, I don't even have a place of my own. One said, I must bury my father. And what he was really saying is, I'm responsible for my parents. When they pass away, I'll be free to come and be one of your disciples and follow you along with these others. And Jesus' reply to him seems extreme to us, doesn't it? Let the dead bury their dead. Another said, I, I just need to go home and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow is fit for the kingdom of, of heaven. Jesus' reply does seem extreme. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Whoever comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, even his own life, cannot be my disciple. That doesn't jive with we must love others as we love ourselves. He says, which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost to see if you have enough finances to finish it? Or what king would march out to do war with another king approaching and not sit down to figure out with my army of 10,000, can I go in opposition to a king with an army of 20,000? And if not, you better send delegates to say, let's talk this over before you get here and kill us. He concluded, so therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. By illustrating his comments with the images of someone estimating the cost of building a tower or going to war. Jesus is saying, count the cost. And then just in case they missed it, he says plainly, it costs everything. So is this what Jesus actually meant? Yes and no. 
We know that Jesus did not literally mean that we should hate our family or even our own lives, did he? No. He was saying, however, that if it comes to us, that relationship with God through Christ should have preeminence. It should be the primary relationship, all others coming secondary. Jesus was on his journey to Jerusalem where he would betray, be betrayed by a follower. He would be condemned by religious high muckety-mucks, sentenced to death by a Roman governor, beaten and executed by Roman soldiers, leaving behind his entire estate, which consisted of the clothes he was wearing. Did Jesus really mean that we should liquidate all of our financial holdings, sell everything we have, and give it to the church? No, he, he didn't really mean that. For a minute there, I thought it sounded like a good idea. No, no, Jesus didn't mean that. That would leave us destitute, wouldn't it? In saying what he did, Jesus is speaking in extremes. He tells us to count the cost, but how do we know what the cost is going to be? We don't, do we? But if we determine beforehand that we are willing to pay whatever the cost, no price will be too high. Discipleship has always been costly and always will be. In the village of Miango, Nigeria, there's a small church called Kirk Chapel. Behind the chapel is a small cemetery with 56 graves. 33 of them contain the small bodies of missionary children. The stones read, Ethel Arnold, September 1st, 1928, to September 2nd, 1928. Barbara J. Swanson, 1946, to 1952. Eileen Louise Whitmoyer, May 6, 1952 to July 3, 1955. This was the cost of taking the gospel to Nigeria for these 33 missionary families. In an article in Christianity, Christianity Today, Charles White told about visiting this little graveyard and ended the article with a tremendously powerful statement. He said, the only way we can understand the graveyard at Miango is to remember that God also buried his son on the mission field. 
while those courageous missionaries were paying such a dear and costly price for following Christ to Nigeria, other disciples were called upon to pay a different price. They were called upon to stand for justice in our nation's deep south. They were called to stand against racism, to cry out against lynchings and oppose kangaroo courtrooms. Pastors were called upon to pay the price of being fired from their pulpits if they spoke out against the Ku Klux Klan. And many pastors, to their shame and ours, considered the cost too high, too costly to pay, and in so doing, fell away from following Jesus. When Jesus was taken into custody in the Garden of Gethsemane and then taken on to the home of the chief priest for trial, the Bible records that Peter followed at a distance. That's how some in our time would have it. Following at a distance. They want to follow Christ, but not so closely that it makes any real difference in how they live. Not so closely that they are clearly identified with Jesus. They are eBay Christians. I'll pay this much and no more. But Jesus is not willing to accept our best offer unless we offer all we have. What price are we, Christ followers, in Waynesboro, Virginia in 2023? What price are we willing to pay? Chances are remote that we will have to pay with our lives. Not many of us will be evicted from our homes if we take a stand for the poor. We will probably be called extreme or even fanatical, but little else if we deplore the directions Hollywood and social media have taken us. But few will lose their jobs if they speak out for those who have no voice. But we may fall out of favor with the high muckety-mucks of our own times if we demand truth from our news reporters, ethical behavior from our politicians, justice in our legal system. We may even lose friends if we refuse to go along with bad behavior, even if everybody else is doing it and instead stand firm for what we know to be right. What God requires matters to Christ followers. What we do, we do as a matter of conscience 
what we do, we do as a matter of commitment to Christ. We are called upon to do justly, to love, compassion, and mercy, to walk humbly before and with our God, do, love, and walk. In saying that all we have is all he will accept, is Jesus being unreasonable? No. He's simply saying that if we are serious about following him, we need to be prepared to follow wherever his footprints might lead us. But there is good news. What we gain is worth much more than we will ever pay. Jesus not only said to give up everything, he also said that what he gives in return is worth so much more than we could give up. He addresses this in Matthew chapter 13. Listen to his words. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. And then, in his joy, he goes out and sells everything he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went out and sold all that he had and bought it. Jesus is making one simple point. To become one of his own is worth everything we have.